The Daily Rios for July 31st, 2015. Hey everyone, this is your host Peter. We're going to close out this week, this month, with a Feedback Friday episode. One of my favorite types of episodes because it allows me to follow up on topics or go on tangents. So thank you to everyone that has reached out. I may not read everything on this episode, but I do read everything and I certainly appreciate all of it. And for this month, the topic that got the most response was the 10 best pizza cities rant from earlier this week. That was episode 286, We Interrupt This Program, from Chris Snell. There is no way Florida, Arizona, and Nevada have pizza good enough to rank in a top 10. Where's Boston? From John Griggis, of the uh, co-host of the Donuts and Top Cow podcast. As soon as Orlando showed up on the pizza list, I knew it was a bullshit list. Horrible there. Ian Levenstein, who is a New Yorker. That list of best pizza towns is an atrocity. Bill Dowdy. Uh, now, Bill makes an interesting point. He says, I can see Florida having great pizza because half the population is relocated New Yorkers and the other half, tourists looking for tastes of home. No way Chicago tomato pie beats New York pizza, though. That's insanity. I'm not a big New York fan in any respect, but yeah, they own pizza. Best pizza here in Rhode Island, Napolitano's, owned by a woman straight out of Brooklyn. No other place even comes close. And lastly on the topic, Dapper Bear, uh, for the other side of things, I guess you could say. He says, uh, he also has an interesting spin. He says, all this means is that the cities on the list have good pizza compared to all the other places in the city. So a town with mediocre pizza, an absolute shit for everything else, will score high on the list. But I'm glad Chicago came up on top. Pizza. He continues, pizza should be like a good date. Hearty and thick, not thin and limp. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, on episode 285, the Monday Musings Random Topics episode, Mr. Phil chimes in and says, Hey, if you want to escape Philly's Pope mania, go to Baltimore Comic Con which is happening that same weekend. I have a love-hate, hate-love relationship with the Baltimore Comic-Con, no doubt. It's a great show, lots of creators, great focus on comics, good things to do within walking distance from the convention center. The town is super expensive, hotel-wise. It's always been that way. You can get a hotel in driving distance that is certainly much cheaper, and I think, I want to say... There's even a train that we took one year during one of our CGS convention tours. But um, they were a little mean to CGS in our early year, in our early years because of um, our own amateur mistakes at the time. And uh, they weren't very nice when we tried to make amends. Uh, certainly plenty of the hosts still go down there and friends go down to Baltimore Comic Con and I would never deny anybody that, that right, you know. Um, but it's not a convention I look to uh, support with my own money. Um, however, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. And looking at the list, uh, a lot of great names of people that I would be interested in seeing, but that I can certainly see elsewhere as well. 
including Jeremy Bastian, Katie Cook, Amy Chu, Joe Isma, Nathan Fox, Francesco Francavilla, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, uh, Jamal Igo, Greg LaRocque, Terry Moore, John Ostrander, Sarah Richard, The Simonsons, Bernie Wrightson, Mike Zeck, Warrior 27 is a publishing group. They're going to be there, which is uh, Chris, uh, Chris Beckett, who is a frequent commenter here on the Daily Rio. So, yeah, um, you know, if you're going to make it down to Baltimore Comic Con, I have to assume Pants will be down there from CGS, maybe Shane. And it sounds like Mr. Phil might try to make it. Speaking of, uh, Phil tweeted out uh, a pretty great announcement on a new independent comic expo happening in Denver starting for the first time next year, March of 2016, and originated and co-founded by Mr. Charlito LaGreca and his uh, great team of people, most of which were involved with uh, creating the original Denver Comic-Con that I went to in the first year, the best year. Um, it is called DINK, and it stands for... Uh, the Denver Independent Comic and Art Expo, and it's happening March 25th and 26th of next year at the beautiful Sherman Saint Event Center in uh, Denver, Colorado. When I looked at the pictures, it reminds me a lot of how Mocha used to feel in the Puck Center, in the in, you know this beautiful two-story. Um, uh, gallery, I guess it was. I'm not sure what it was. Um, and yet it, the Sherman Center seems to feel like it has this. It, it's like, what if the armory in New York where Mocha was for a number of years? What if it actually was really nice? It's, I don't know. From the pictures, I get that vibe. It looks beautiful. But it's going to be an independent comics expo, which is great. And, um, uh, you know. There's nobody better to help run this and help organize it. Um, they already know they can create and run and manage a huge convention. And this one will be on a smaller scale and much more personal and much more about comics. Um, and they're going to be able to pull from an incredible talent list. Um, and it's always good to have a convention in that area. So, yeah, that's great. Dink. Dink. I like that name. I look forward to hearing more about it. All right, from episode 283, The Heroes TV Talk, where I talked about I have a very mundane power. Bill Dowdy says, I have two stupid powers. I can predict reruns of TV shows just before they air, and frustratingly, I can make traffic lights turn red. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's almost like a negative, negative power. Episode 281, the Timeline Tuesday episode for July, for the month of July, Murray says, uh, and by the way, it's so great to hear from Murray and Bill and all these other people who are commenting. It's so great to get the dialogue going again. He's, he has this to say about the Silver Age Animal Man stories, which are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. He has a nice little rundown. He says, his first appearance was very much in the style of any of DC's sci-fi comics of the time. Something strange happens to some dude, and by the end of the story, the problem is solved. So Buddy loses his powers, and everything is all wrapped up. But four months later, the character returns, drawn by Gil Kane. Buddy regains his powers, and by the end of the story, he decides to use them to fight crime. This is the issue that also introduces the yellow-skinned aliens that Grant Morrison would use 
in his own run on the book in late 1980s. In issue 190, Buddy gets his costume and names himself A-Man, A-Man. And by issue 195, he's named Animal Man on the cover and title page and gets a cool animal-themed logo. Within the story, he still goes by the name A-Man for the most part, although his friend Roger does call him Animal Man once. For his final Silver Age appearance in 201, Buddy is a straight-up superhero, complete with the Animal Man name. He's catching bank robbers and fighting super gorillas. Of course, it's a DC comic. Uh, you don't get much more DC superhero-y than that. I have not read a lot of those. I have not read any of those early Animal Man stories outside of anything that was flashbacked in, in the Grant Morrison run. It feels like there's a lot of stuff left over that DC could collect in a showcase or some other form. Um, and this sounds like it would be a great addition to the Animal Man library. Uh, he also says, by the way, would also like a return of when you used to talk about your history with musical theater, and that is definitely happening. That is on my list of to-do things, which may or may not start next Monday or the following Monday. Um, episode 273, What's in My Podcast Queue? This is from Eric from the Longbox Review Podcast. It was so nice to hear that you are listening to Mission Log. I finally started listening to that show a few months ago though I'd heard of it many, many months before that. I just listened to one of the supplemental episodes featuring Marina Sirtis, and that was a hoot. She is outspoken, outspoken and a bit of fresh air when it comes to the insider baseballness about Trek. Have you tried Serial? No. Replay All? No. Mystery Show? No. Um, you'll probably like the latter more than the previous two, and then there's Meanwhile in the Future, which is a what-if type show that mixes science fiction type tropes, what if we had a second moon, what if the internet broke, with scientists examining the possibilities. It's also one of those new podcasts that you mentioned you wanted. And then he asks if I was a Will Wheaton fan, not particularly, uh, who has a podcast, Radio Free Burrito. And as far as comic podcasts, he enjoys Nerdist Writers Panel, the comic edition episodes, uh, and he, he notes here that Chris Hardwick is not involved, which is a good thing. Um, on episode 270, the very first podcast I put out this uh, new year, in this year four, they pull me back in. Um, this is for me, actually. Now, obviously, the title is a Godfather reference, but I wondered if anybody actually caught the other Godfather reference inside the episode which was more of a visual reference. Um, it's something I said, but it's a visual reference. It's a visual theme within the movie that has that runs through the movie. I was just being a little, I don't know, artsy-fartsy, I guess. Um, and about that episode, Rob Robert Briscoe, Rob Briscoe from the Uncanny X-Cast says, I have no idea what Peter is talking about in his open, since it's all about DC, but it's hysterical, which is great. And then, you know, I've received comments or retweets, favorites, and emails and such from people like Tony Hazel, Mark, Samurai Godzilla, Devin Bruce, uh, Paul Harvey Jr., and L. Div Collins in Australia, which is great. Tim DeMar, who uh, thanked me for bringing back the Daily Rios uh, and says that he's been listening for 10-plus years since he's 27 now. Wow, that's incredible, um, since the old CGS days. Uh, Joey Robinson, Jeffrey Brown of the ValkyrieQuartet.com site, 
and uh, you know anybody else that I've missed. I really, really, really appreciate it. It means a lot that you took the time to listen, that you took the time to reach out. And even for people who just listen and never reach out, you know, just that you're giving your time is amazing. So uh, if you've commented here on Facebook, Twitter, the website, through retweets, iTunes, uh, reviews, all of it, thank you, thank you, thank you. By the way, if you have a podcast and you want to send me an audio promo, you know, something like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, no more than a minute, uh, that's a pretty good length for an audio promo. I'll play it on the show. I like to have bumpers uh, between segments every now and then. So send me something and I'll put it on the show. I'm all about sharing the love. So, all right, this has been the Daily Rios episode 288 for Friday, July 31st. See you next week.